Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles open up with me to Habakkuk, we're talking about vision today. And as you do, would you say this with me today? I receive the Word of God to profit me and reproof me, convict me, and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And you quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for today. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, God, for what you've already done in this house, how you've ministered to many of us here. And Lord, we ask not only that your presence be in your house, but Lord, that there be anointing upon the ministering of the word, that our hearts would be open to receive what the spirit of the Lord would say to us, that we would receive revelation knowledge of not only who you are, but what we can receive and and what we can walk in because of the goodness of God. And we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, one more time, a big amen. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 says this, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. The Message Bible says it like this, And then God answered, Write this, write what you see. What are you seeing? What do you, what do you want God to do for you? One of the things the Lord spoke to me at the very beginning of this year is challenge the people to dream bigger, see bigger, see God do greater things, not only in our world, but in your life. He's a big God. You know, Ephesians 3.20 says, now unto him who is able, how many of you believe he is able? To do exceedingly abundantly, exceedingly abundantly, that's more. That's, that, that's, that's greater than, exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think according to the power that's within us. Now, one of the things that was so enjoyable this year for Christmas was that when we uh, drove down to Fort Worth to give our, chi- our grandchildren their Christmas gift, they were expecting something, but it was that exceeding abundance that we were able to do that brought so much joy to them. They had no idea we were going to do all the things that we did for them over Christmas. And so they got pretty excited. Well, if we can do that for our children, how much more does your heavenly father want to do for you? So dream big, see big, ask God to show you. I really believe from the very foundations of the earth, according to the word of God, God created you and he created you with great things and big things in mind. And so we need to begin to ask God, open our eyes Open our understanding for the plans and the purposes that you have in our lives. And one of the things that happened with the children of Israel is my wife was talking about the children of Israel and how God, you know, how God used to prophesy and share with us, you know, the children of Israel had no idea what God wanted for them. And he had to take them out of that environment to put them in a new environment. And you would think that, you know, God bringing manna from heaven and, and, and doing supernatural provision, water from a rock, opening up the Red Sea, turning bitter water into uh, drinkable water. You would think that they'd say, man, if God can do this, what else does he have for us? But the key is that they couldn't get Egypt out of their mind. And, you know, God can take you out of Egypt, but you've got to get Egypt out of you. 
And this is the key, and this is why we need to hear the Word of God. So the Word of God will change us and renew our minds so that we can see how much more God has for us. Because God wants to do some great things. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to heaven and see a storehouse of things all there and, and saying, what are these? Well, those are the things I wanted you to have while you're on earth. I don't want to disappoint God. I'm going to receive all that he has for my life. How about you? Amen. Amen. And this is one of the things that grieved the heart of God. It says in Psalm 78, 41, we shared this uh, last time I spoke on this, and that is that how the children of Israel, they tempted God, and how did they tempt him? They limited him. They limited God. Don't limit God. Tell your neighbors, take the limits off of God. Don't limit God. Look to him. He is the author. He's the finisher of your faith. He wants to do great things. That word limit means to grieve. Uh, it, means, it doesn't mean they limited him one time. It meant they lived a life of limiting God. And when you study them out, they go, yeah, well, God could take, God could do this, and God could do that, but can he give us any meat? We're just tired of this supernatural bread, you know, that had no cholesterol, didn't make you, you know, get overweight. It was perfect food for you. We're tired of that, you know, even though God supernaturally gives us. We want some meat. God said, okay, if you want some meat, I'll send you some quail. And it didn't turn out very good for him. So anyway, nevertheless, you know, they just, can God do this? And can God do that? And see, God didn't want them to have a mentality of, can God do this? God wanted them to have a mentality of, God's going to do this. God's going to do this. He's, going, he's taking you out of bondage into a promised land, a place where, where everything you put your hands to is going to prosper, a place where it says, I'm going to give you power to get wealth. I'm going to empower you so that when you, you are where I've called you to be in, and, and you're in the place that I've called you to be in, I'm going to bless you there. I'm going to empower you to prosper in that area. But they limited God. The Webster Dictionary, um, in uh, the 1828 Webster Dictionary, says they restrained God. I'm not going to restrain God. How about you? Amen. I'm just going to cut him loose. You know, I'm going to take that Clint Eastwood spirit. Make my day, God. Come on. Make my day. Come on. Let me see what you can do. Come on. Let me see the blessings of the Lord. Amen. So they restrained God from doing more, not because it was a one-time thing, but it was, a, it was a mentality. Well, some of the sentiments for limited is to diminish, diminished, insufficient, minimal, narrow, poor, reduced, restricted, and small. So I guess that goes along with the word that God's given us, don't stop dreaming, but begin to dream bigger this year. Don't limit. So we talked about last week when I spoke, or two weeks ago when I spoke, uh, on how to expand your faith for the vision. How do you expand your faith for the vision? First of all, you need to forget those things that have hindered you in the past. A lot of times we begin to accept certain things in our lives. You know, one of the things that my wife corrected me on one time, I was, I was dealing with some type of challenge in my body, and she said, don't claim it. I'd say, well, I've got this going on. It's, it, it's, it's, it's my injury. It's my infirmity. She said, don't claim it as yours. Call it a infirmity that God's already healed you of. 
And so many times we get that mentality accidentally. We begin to think, you know, well, you know, this is the way I am and I'm going to be this way for the rest of my life. Well, I want to tell you, I, I, I have to, I've been thinking about this and I'm not here to put Jordan on the spot even though God's already spotlighted her today. But you had some type of digestive issue when you were a child. What was it called? Crohn's disease. And she heard that the word, by, through the word of God, that God wanted her healed. And the very first day that you heard that God wanted you healed, did you get healed? Are you healed now? Do you have any side effects from it at all? Absolutely not. And medical science says, that's impossible. You're going to have this with your, for the rest of your life. I remember seeing her when she was a, a young lady of 14, 15 years old. We went to the hospital to pray for her. And the doctor said, you're going to have this for the rest of your life. She had to refuse that. She had to tell herself, that's not me. That's not who I'm going to be. I'm going to receive my healing. And one day, the healing manifested. Well, the same thing's true. You know, you got to take hold of what God's done and doing and forget those things which are behind you. You need to praise God for your future, for God has a future for you. 2 Peter 1.3 says, according to his divine power he has already given you all things he has already done it it's already done God's done these things God's got some great and wonderful things for you so forget what has hindered you from getting you uh, stopping you from where you're at now and begin to press in that's one thing Paul said one thing I do I forget those things which are behind and I press to obtain that which Christ obtained for me. So enlarge your thinking. Isaiah 43, 18. Go there with me. I'm just reviewing on what I taught on just a couple weeks ago on, on how to receive your vision. Isaiah 43:18. It says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider things of old. Well, if it wasn't for this, well, if it wasn't for that, you know, I I heard a story. My, my great-great-grandfather came over here to America from Germany and, uh, when he was 12 years old. And he became a contractor. Not only was he a carpenter, but he was a contractor. And actually, from what I understand, he was the chief contractor of the St. Louis Fair in 1904, when it opened up in 1904. That was, that was him. And he became a very, very rich man, very, very wealthy man. Very extremely wealthy. But then his children, when he died because he didn't have a will, they all fought over the money. And, and most of them didn't get most of the money. The courts got most of the money, you know. And I can sit there and say, now, you know what? I could have been rich if it wasn't for my grandfather. You know, those knuckleheads, if they would have just, just, you know, said, hey, let's divide it up evenly. But no, no, somebody got greedy there. I could have been rich. No, i got to forget those things. i got to let those things go. Because I serve a God who can do much more than what he did for my great-great-grandfather. Come on, somebody. You know, I can't sit there and blame somebody else for why I'm not what I am today. You know, the only person I can only blame for where I'm at today is me. Hello, somebody. Most of us don't want to look in the mirror and say it's your fault. Hello, somebody. But at least you can blame somebody when you look in the mirror. It's your fault. We all want to point our finger at someone, don't we? It's your fault. Just look in the mirror and it's your fault. At least you get to point your finger at somebody, right? 
Anyway, we sometimes we feel good about pointing our finger at other people, but we, we shouldn't. We're where we're at today because of the decisions we made yesterday. When we make better choices and God choices, we're going to see God's results in our lives. Can I hear an amen in this house? So enlarge your thinking. That's what Isaiah 54 2 says. I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large, spread out, think big. Use plenty of rope, drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. And do not hold back, for you are not going to come short. Now, there's something in here that I really believe that most of us need to get hold of. And that is this. It says right here, don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. And you're not going to come short. I was reading Mark 10, 30, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 30, where Jesus said that, you know, when, when you give in this lifestyle, you'll, in this life, you'll receive a hundredfold. But then there's those two little words right after that. It says, with persecutions. Amen. With persecutions. Now, there was, a, there was a time in our lives, and I believe we're back in that particular situation. Boy, I tell you what, the favor of God, God baptized me in his favor. There was so much favor in our lives. It was like there, was, there wasn't anything that we couldn't do. I mean, it was like we couldn't do anything wrong. You know, things went well, started the church, you know, had this, had this building provided for us and, and uh, just supernatural things that God did, just incredible, wonderful things that God did for us. And then I started receiving some negative talk. And Vicky and I were blessed, the blessed we'd ever been in our whole marriage, bought a new house, and people started complaining. People, people start griping about us prospering. And so I backed off of talking about what the blessing of the Lord and the favor of God. And guess what happened to it? It kind of seemed to diminish. And I was praying one day, I said, Lord, what, 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 what's going on here? He said, uh, why aren't you talking about the favor that I've given you? Why aren't you talking about the blessing of the Lord? Well, because there's people who, who are complaining about it. Oh, they're persecuting you. Oh, yeah, I get it. Is that why you should stop? No, that's not why you shouldn't stop. You know, why should I be ashamed of the blessing of the Lord? Come on, somebody. Why should I be ashamed of what God's done in my life? You know, because it's a testimony. If God can do it for us, he can do it for you. When we first started this thing, when Vicki and I first started this thing, and, and she's shared her testimony many times, but, you know, we met in Bible school. And that was the whole reason why she came, to marry a man. But anyway, no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. That's a joke. But we met in Bible school, and I'd never been married before, and she was married. I, we found this out when we met in Bible school. She was married and had two children. And so when God put us together, I mean, we, we didn't have a whole lot to, 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 to show for, you know. I, we were young, and uh, we didn't have a whole lot. She didn't have a car. I had to help her with a car, and, and uh, you know, and she was barely making it from paycheck to paycheck. And uh, same here. I was barely making it. We got married, you know. We had a couple of debts. I think I had more debt than she did. But we had a couple of debts, you know, and that was hindering us, and so we paid those debts off. And so whenever, whenever we began to serve God, one thing we did do, we tithed. It wasn't a whole lot of money. And I just want to say today that um, when it comes to tithing, that my whole week's check 
My tithe is more than my whole week's check was when we first started the ministry. My tithe is more than my whole week's check when we first started the ministry. This is what God's done for us. But we didn't have a whole lot. And we had to trust God. You know, we went through some canceled checks a few years ago, and there was a check in there given to the church for $1.50. I think it cost them more to have it processed than it did for us to give an offering of $1.50. You know, that was several years ago. But we started somewhere. We began to believe God. We began to trust God. We didn't have a whole lot. Our vehicles were wore out. I drove a 1973 Porsche that sometimes wouldn't start, you know. But uh, my, my, my day view was, I'm driving a Porsche. Didn't start most of the time, but I drove it <laughs> when it started, you know. And so it, it was, it needed a lot of work. And, and her car, it was you know, in the shop more than it was out of the shop. And finally, what did you do with that car? I don't even know whatever happened to that car. That be, it died. It died. We don't know where it's at. It went to the great graveyard and the other places that cars go to when they die. But anyway, but we didn't have a whole lot going for us. But we had faith in God. And we kept on hearing the word. And we kept on trusting this word. And we kept on believing this word. And we kept on believing, you know, if God can do it for others, God can do it for us. You know, and so God did do that. God did begin to bless us. God did begin to increase us. Didn't happen overnight, but it happened. And so when people see where we're at today, they think, you know, well, yeah, you, you know, God's really blessed you. And we're not by any means multimillionaires yet. Okay, but we're blessed. God's blessed us. And people started cry, uh, complaining about that, persecuting us. Well, all you do is talk about money. Well, I, I, you know, I, I talk more about other things, you know, Kansas City won last night. I talk about things like that. Come on, somebody help me. I mean, I talk about other things, you know, but nevertheless, you know, they became critical and I backed off and I saw this scripture, don't be embarrassed by the goodness of God. Amen. The favor of God's on our life. The favor of God's on our life. We were doing a minister's conference over in Switzerland for some missionaries, a missionaries conference over there. And I was talking to all the ministers, you know, all the favor of God that's on our life. Talking about the favor of God, you know. You know, the more you talk about it, the more it manifests. Come on, somebody. Amen. Whatever you talk about the most will manifest. Yes. Did you notice that? That's how you magnify the Lord, by talking about him so much. Talking about his word, speaking his word all the time. Whatever you talk about the most will be magnified in your life. And I was just talking about the favor of God with these ministers, how God's favor is on our our lives and and thanking God for it. And I found out at the very end of the trip, one of the ministers got very upset with me about talking about the favor of God. And so we were going back to, uh, to the hotel to catch our flights the very next day, and all of us were going together. And so I found out that all of them were staying in a, a different hotel than I was. And I said, well, instead of you all dropping me off here and it being so inconvenient on the other side of town, why don't I just call them and cancel my reservations? Well, there will be a penalty. I said, no, there won't. They said, well, how do you know there's going to be a penalty? I said, well, I got favor. So I called up that hotel I was staying in, and I said, hey, can I cancel my reservation? They said, sure. I said, would you not charge me the penalty? They said, yeah, we'll waive it for you. Don't worry about it. Then they said, well, okay, that's fine, but there's not any rooms in the hotel we're staying at. I said, I got a favor. There's going to be a room for me. And they're like, okay. So we get to the hotel, we walk up, and everybody's walking up. And I said, you all have a room here for us? And they said, we got one other room for us. I said, what's the best price you can give me? So I'm expecting the best. 
Well, we can do it for $99. Finally, that minister hit me on the shoulder. You know, one of those kind of, I want your attention hit. I mean, he didn't slug me or anything. He felt like slugging me, but he didn't. Anyway, he said, look, he said, you must have the favor of God. Every time you talked about the favor, it, it irritated me. You know, he said, but my gosh, he said, not only did you get your room canceled and, and they didn't charge anything, he said, but you got a room when there was no room and they gave you a better rate than they gave me. That's the favor of God. I talk about that favor. I live that favor. I walk in that favor. And I'm not ashamed of that favor. You know, if God's going to do something, he's going to do it for me because I'm his favor right. Amen. And this is one of the things that you got to do. you got to forget why things didn't happen and begin to look to God and have God help you expand your understanding of what God wants to do for your life. So the last thing I shared uh, and, and seeing your vision come to pass was stand on the Word. Stand on the Word of God. Find a scripture for your vision. Find a word for your vision. One of the things that God gave my wife when we first moved up here, when we left Fort Worth, we gave all our furniture away because we didn't have any place to stay here in Columbia. My first year, we stayed with my parents who lived an hour from here, so I couldn't move all my furniture into that. The second place we stayed in was an 800-square-foot apartment, which was very, very nice and a very lux a luxurious place. It was wonderful, but we didn't, ha we didn't have any room for our furniture, so we gave all our furniture away. So when we did buy a house here in Columbia... We didn't have any furniture, but my wife was standing on the scripture. He fills my house with good things. He fills my house with good things. He fills my house with good things. That's what she was standing on. And so we went, and, and, and she, she was learning Columbia, and she, she, she drove to the certain area of Columbia and saw a furniture store she never knew was there. Is that right? Am I telling the story right? Sort of right? Halfway right? All right, don't let me lie now. You won't let me lie. But anyway, so she runs, she, she, she comes in this furniture, and they're having a sale. It's nice furniture. And they're having a sale, and, and so she, she goes in, and she bought some nice furniture. But when we went back to pick up some other furniture, we had told the, the salesperson, well, I'd really like to have, you know, a couple of these other things. And she said, well, an angel came here. We're like, really? They said, yeah, they paid for all this other furniture that you'd like to have, too. I mean, we got a house full of furniture, didn't we? God blessed us because she had a word from the Lord and said, I'm going to stand on this word and I'm going to see God fill my house with good things. So get a word for your vision. Amen. So that's my review for today. So seeing how to see your vision manifest. Number one, stay in faith. That's the most important thing because once you get this vision from God, guess who doesn't want you to have it fulfilled in your life? The devil doesn't. But we say around here, there's no man, no devil, and no government that can stop God's plan for your life. And there is no man. And there is no devil. When God says, I'm going to do this, he's going to do it. In fact, chances are when God says, I'm going to do this thing, it's already been done in his mind. He's just waiting for you to receive it. He's waiting for you to believe him for it so it can manifest in your life. So Stand in faith. Stay in faith. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 35 says it this way. Therefore, do not cast away. Don't cast away your confidence. Now, when you read that, what you're going to find out is that as you read before that, he's saying, you remember when you first got saved and you had faith? 
you were persecuted, you were challenged, and you just, you know, you, you even got beat up for your faith, but you just kept on pursuing God. And look what God's done for you. Listen, don't cast away your faith. If God got you through that, how much more will he get you through? If God can bless you, then how much more can he bless you now? Amen? God can do some great things for you. Don't cast away your confidence. Just because things haven't happened the way you thought they should happen by now, it's still in motion. Tell your neighbor, my miracle's in motion. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. Don't cast it away. There's a great reward that God has for you. You have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So the key is keep doing the will of God. What has God called you to do last? Keep doing what God's called you to do last. Don't ask God to do a new thing until you finish the last thing he's called you to do. That wouldn't be practical. Why would God stop you from doing something that's unfinished to start something else? He wants to finish that work he started in you. That's why the Bible says he is well able to complete that work that he started in you. He's well able. He wants to finish that work that he started into you. And so it says, it says here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse, verse 35, don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, that you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. But the just shall live by faith. We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. The Message Bible says it like this, so don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then, and it's a sure thing now. It's still a sure thing, but you need to stick it out. Staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the, the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up almost any minute now. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we're not quitters. Who lose out? Oh no, we'll stay with it and survive, trusting all the way. See, quitting's not an option. Keep believing God, keep trusting God. He wants to do some great things, and He wants to use you to do these great things in our lives and manifest those things in your lives. Number two, don't allow distractions. Num number one, stay in faith. Don't allow anything to distract you from this vision. What is God putting in your heart? What is God showing you? Don't allow anything. Well, you know, Pastor, you know, I've been praying for someone to get healed, but it looks worse. Don't allow that to distract you. Come on. There were times that Jordan was believing God for her healing, but there were times she was put back in the hospital. We wouldn't let that distract us. Jordan, you're healed. The Word of God says you're healed. We're not letting any setbacks distract us. We're standing on the word of God. Don't allow any distractions to come into your life. Isaiah 41.10 says it like this. Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and yes, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Now that word dismayed means to be distracted. That's exactly what it means. Don't be distracted. Don't let anything get you, get you off focus of what God's doing in your life. And there's a lot of things that can distract you. I'm not against looking at the news, but don't let the news distract you from God's plan for your life. 
I'm not distracted from reading current events, but don't let what current events are going on in this world distract you from what God's going to ultimately do. Because God's got a plan. We just heard it just a minute ago. I mean, that was much greater than what I've read in some of, some of the, uh, 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 the, the prophecies that are going to come to pass. God's going to show up in a great and mighty way. Amen. He's going to reveal his goodness. He's going to reveal his glory in a great and powerful way. I'm anticipating that. I'm wanting that, but I can't let what's going on around in the world distract me. You know, God's got a plan. And you know, God's never failed. How many of you know God's never failed? God has never failed. You know, those things that he has intended to do, he will get done. He plans on getting it done for you. Tell your neighbor he's going to get it done for me. But look at this. I, it's something that, that, that just jumped out at me when I was reading this this last time. Number one, I'm with you. Fear not, I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. You know, one of the names of God is Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is present. That means he'll never leave you or forsake you. He is always there. He is always with you. If God be for you, the scripture says, who can be against you? And we often say around here, nobody. So don't be distracted. And then it says, I'm your God. Is he your God? Absolutely. Make him your God. Magnify him in every area of your life. Make sure that he's magnified. Then it says, I will strengthen you. Oh, our strength comes from the Lord. Our strength comes from the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord, the Bible says, shall what? Renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary and they'll walk and not faint. Glory to God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. He'll help you. What's he going to help you do? What's he going to strengthen you? Why is he going to be your God? Because he wants to see these things he's put in your heart. This vision that he's asked you to write down, he wants to bring it to pass. God wants to see it happen in your life. He wouldn't have put it in your heart if he didn't want to see it happen in your life. I will uphold you. That word uphold means I will hold. I will hold up. I will retain. I will support. I will keep it for you. In other words, God's already taken a hold of it for you. It's a matter of you just receiving it from him. So say with me, God is with me. My God will strengthen me. My God will help me. And my God will uphold me. So when Jesus was talking to the disciples, go with me to um, um, Luke chapter 22. Verses 24 through 34. The disciples asked him this question, you know, they were talking about being great in the kingdom of God. Let me just go there real quick. Luke 22. And when you get there, tell us what page it is. Luke 22, starting with verse 24. Now there was also a dispute amongst them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said, you know, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors but not so among you on the contrary he who is greatest among you let him be as younger and he who governors as he who serves for who is greater he who sits at the table or he who serves it is not he who sits at the table yet I am among you as the one who serves but you are those who have continued with me in my trials you know, Jesus had trials. Somebody said, well, Jesus didn't have any. He had trials. 
Absolutely. He said there'd be trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome them all. But you continue with me in my trials. And I bestowed upon you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one upon me. Look at that. He has bestowed upon you a kingdom, just as his father bestowed one upon him. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brother. But Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and death. And the Lord said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you'll deny me three times that you know me. So look at this. Jesus is saying, look, you don't understand greatness. Greatness is not about being great. Greatness is not about how much you have. But greatness is about what you can Can you serve? Can you give? Don't desire to be great, but desire to do great things. There's a difference. And this is how Jesus turned around. He said, the Gentiles desire to be great. They want a name. They want someone to erect a statue for them. Look what so-and-so did. He developed this kingdom or he, he did this. But he didn't, he didn't ask you to be great. He, desire, he asked you to desire to do great things. He led by serving. He who governs as he serves. That's what Jesus said. He who governs is he who serves. He who's one in charge is the one who can give the most. He can prepare a table for you. As it says in Psalms 23, I prepare a table for you in the very presence of my enemies. And so he's teaching this. He said, look, this is how you can do great things. God's going to give you a kingdom. He's going to bestow upon you great things for you to do. And then he looked at Peter and said, by the way, Simon, Satan desires to sift you. Well, in order to be sifted, it means that you have to be shaken. You know, the way they sift seed back then was that they had this, you know, two handles on each side, and they put all the seed in there, and they put all, all the seed up there, and they would shake it, kind of a screen, until, you know, all the chaff would stay on top and all the seed would fall through. There's a shaking. And so anyway, in order for us to be shift, sifted, we had to be shaken. And so this is what the Lord's saying here in this situation. Don't let anything shake you. Don't let the plans of the enemy shake you. Don't let it, the plans of the enemy distract you. Don't let the plans of the enemy stop you. What does 2024 hold? Well, I believe it's going to be a great year. Amen. But I believe just like when you get in a plane and the pilot says, hey, buckle up in case we hit any turbulence. Because usually when you fly a plane, when you go from point A to point B, you're going to hit turbulence. Almost every plane hits turbulence. And when you're buckled up, guess what? You're more secure and staying in your seat. How many of you saw on the news about that Alaskan airline and the door blew out? The main reason why nobody blew out with the door is because they had their seatbelt on. I tell you what, every time I get on a plane, man, I got my seatbelt on. I mean, if that door blows out, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm staying in a plane. But you know what? There might be some turbulence. But stay seated. The pilot says, stay seated. Well, our spiritual pilot says, stay seated in heavenly places. Stay where God's called you to be. 
Don't get up and move about right now. This is not the time to move. This is a time when you go through turbulence. This is time to stay seated in the place God's called you to be. Hold steady. Yeah, there might be some turbulence. There might be some bumpy roads, you know, in 2024. But nevertheless, when we get to the end, we're going to go, what a great trip. What a great ride. What a great year. Because it's going to be the greatest year that some of us have ever experienced in our lives. And I believe that with my whole heart. I believe it's a year of restoration. And I believe it's a year of harvest. Something the Lord spoke to me. I pray here in the morning times and something the Lord spoke to me. And, and when he speaks to me, I know every, every spot that he speaks to me. And I don't know why, but I was right behind Andrew right there, that chair right there. And the Lord said, this year is going to be a year of restoration and harvest. You're going to get the double. Praise God. The things that I should have had are going to be restored. Glory to God. And, and, and things that I've sowed for, I'm going to see the harvest of. Amen. That's the double. That's what God has for me. Well, pastor, do you really believe that's going to, it's going to come to pass for me? Because I'm standing on the word of God. I'm trusting God. So if Satan desires to sift Peter, what do you think he wants to do to you? He wants to shake you. He wants to cause a little turmoil in your life. He wants to try to get you distracted. But this is what Jesus said. If Jesus prayed this for Peter, how much more is he praying for you? But I'm praying that your faith won't fail. That your faith won't give out. That you won't be distracted by what's going on around you, Peter. I'm praying for you, Peter. You know, I love the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Who taught us to pray that prayer? Jesus. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I say that again. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. You mean Jesus wants us to experience heaven on earth? Absolutely. He prayed that way. Yeah. Well, if he taught us to pray that way, is it because he wants to disappoint us? No, because he wants to fulfill that in our lives. I mean, if, if, if the Lord taught us to pray this way, then I'm anticipating him to answer that prayer. Mm. And he said, Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith not fail. He's praying for you that your faith won't fail. Tell your neighbor, my faith's not failing. I'm not allowing my faith to fail. I'm not going to allow my faith. I'm not going to be distracted from the, the plans that, that God has for me. I'm staying focused. I'm staying totally focused on what God has for me. One of the things the Lord showed me about our dreams and our visions is God made a covenant. And I believe not only has he made a covenant through the shed blood of Jesus Christ for all of his promises to be yes and amen for each and every one of us. But God's made a covenant with you. He's made you for a purpose. And when I look at the story in Genesis chapter 15 when Abraham felt compelled of the Lord to make a covenant, what did he do? He went and he got a heifer and he cut, he cut it in half and, and something else and he cut it in half. And, and he was preparing to go into covenant with God. But then the Bible says that the vultures came. The vultures came. What did they come to do? To remove the covenant. To remove the source of the covenant. And Abraham had to pray him away, didn't he? Oh, Lord, I sure wish these vultures. No, Abraham had to fast for a few days. Oh, God, I'm, I'm fasting to break the bonds of witness. No, he had to drive them off. He had to drive off those vultures. 
You know one of the things we have to do? We have to drive off the vultures of doubt. The vultures of unbelief. You're not going to touch my promise. I'm not allowing doubt to come in. I'm not allowing unbelief to come in. I'm trusting God to bring this to pass. And so there are times. And so God did show up and made covenant with Abraham. You know the rest of the story there where God made a covenant with Abraham and fulfilled, God, fulfilled his covenant in Abraham's life. I'm going to make you a, a great nation, Abraham. And the Jewish people came out of, of the seed and the loins of Abraham. And we thank God for that. But Abraham had to do something. He had to drive off the vultures of doubt. He had to drive off the vultures of unbelief. He had to do something in order for that covenant to stay active in his life. And sometimes we have to drive off doubt. The vultures of doubt. They come down, they pick away, they try to pick away at what the covenant's all about. They try to pick away at the promises of God. Maybe a little one here, a little one there. Well, that'll never happen. Well, that well, I'm still believing God for this. That no, no, drive it away. Doubt, get off of my vision. Amen. Doubt, get off of my vision. Unbelief, get out of my vision. I'm not gonna have you participate in my vision anymore. So you need to say, doubt, get away from my vision now in Jesus' name. Well, the third thing in order to see your vision manifest is remain focused on the promises of God. He said, well, you know, this promise that I have from the Lord, this vision I have from God, I'm not so sure. Well, go to this promise that God has for you right here. Until you start seeing some of it manifest. The word of God. Stand on these promises. Say, God, show me what I can believe you for. Show me what I can believe you for. You know, I'm not encouraging you to believe for a million dollars if you've never had faith for a hundred. But start somewhere. Start with what God knows where you're at. He knows your frame, the Bible says. He knows where you're at. He, he knows what you can believe for. Yes, he wants to expand you. He wants to do some great things. But start where you're at. Lord, stretch me. Is now Isaiah 54 says, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. I want to expand you. Lord, expand me. Increase me, God. Increase my vision. Increase my understanding of what you can really do in my life. So remain focused on the promise. And the fourth thing is stay fully committed to your vision. Stay fully committed to your vision. You know, one of the, 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 the deceiving ways the enemy takes away people's vision is getting them to be content with where they're at now. Well, you know, hey, it's, yeah, you know, it's good. I got a good job. You know, I, got, I have a good salary. I'm able to pay my bills. I'm able to eat. Things are good. Wonderful. Thank God for that. I'm not taken away from that. But you know what? You can't have more until you see more, until you expect more, and stay focused on seeing more. Don't get far. Well, it's good. You know, it's, you know God, God's good to us. You know, God, you know, Pastor, we got a good church. You know, why do you want to? You know, I want to see a community saved. I want to see a community saved. You know, the scripture says, I'm going to give you nations, nations, nations nations. Here's one nation, Guatemala. Here's another nation, Puerto Rico. 
Come on, somebody. Say, where are my other nations at? Over here. Where are we from, faith? And Liberia. Liberia. You know, other nations. There's all kinds of nations. And it's a small crowd tonight. To, I mean, this morning, excuse me. I guess tonight might be prophetic. Maybe we'll start having some Sunday night services. Who knows? But anyway. But, you know, we have other nations in this house. He's given us nations, and I get that. But you know what? I believe he's given us the world. People from every culture, every walk, every lifestyle. How many of you know somebody out there who could use a little encouragement from God? How many of you know somebody who's probably going through a difficult time right now and they just need God to wrap his loving arms around them and encourage them and strengthen them and help them to get out of that mess? He's given us nations. My vision is big. It's not just this house. It's not just this 37 acres on a gravel road that's going to be paved in Jesus' name. Say, what does that mean for those who are new here? We're believing God for this road to get paved. Amen. Amen. No, he didn't put us out here for, you know, for us just to have a few little people out here. He, he brought us for such a time as this. The change of city, the change of county, the change of state, the change of culture. Think about it. Change of culture. What's trending now? The Word of God at Family Worship Center. That's what's trending. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Am I doing okay this morning? Are you encouraged? Praise God. If you're encouraged watching us online, send us a little note. You're encouraged. We'd appreciate that. 1 Timothy chapter 4. They totally and fully committed to the vision. Starting with verse 15. Meditate on these things. But you know, some of these things apply to us. We don't have to be in the ministry for these things to apply to us. And he said, meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them. Holy or entirely is what the New King James says. Holy to God. What does it mean to give him to holy? W-H-O-L-L-Y. Complete, full, everything that you have. Meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them that you may, that your what? Progress. That your what? Progress. Does God want to advance you? Why would he put this in here if he didn't want to advance you? That your progress may be what? Evident to all. Take heed unto the doctrine and continue in them. You know what that's really saying? Verse 16, keep standing on the word of God. Keep trusting the word of God. Holy giving yourself to them. The Message Bible says it like this. Cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in them. The people will see you mature right before their eyes. Keep a firm grasp on both your character and your teaching. Don't be diverted. Just keep at it. Both you and those who hear it will experience salvation. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying, Paul, commit to what God's given you. Commit to the vision. When you write this vision down, and next week we're going to pray over your vision. If you brought it here today and you want us to pray over it, if you're not going to be here next week, we'll do that after service. But we want to pray over that vision. But we don't want you just to write something down randomly and say, oh, I wish. But we want you to take time and pray. What has God shown you? 
What does God put in your heart for 2024? Two or three things. What are those things? There can be more than that, but two or three things. What's God showing you? What does God want to do in your life? But I'm asking this congregation to take it a step further. What would God want you to do for this ministry? Is there something special you'd like to do for this ministry? Is something on your heart that you'd like to see in this ministry done? And how would God want to use you in that area? So those are two areas I want you to pray this next week, especially about your vision, because we are going to pray over that vision. We're going to declare that vision, uh, that the hand of God's on that vision, that God is going to bring that vision to pass, every vision to come to pass. You say, well, you know, it, it looks impossible. It's a long shot. How many impossible things did God do? You know, really, is God's hand too short that he can't do a long shot? I mean, think about it. What's a long shot? Well, it could happen, but whoa. No. In fact, the truth is that if he puts his vision in your heart, he already has a plan to manifest it in your life. Mm, well, what if I miss God? Well, what if you do? Is there anything wrong with believing God for big things? I don't think so. Amen? So God's got some great things for your life. So what do I see in the Word of God today? Well, first of all, stay in faith. Stay in faith for this vision to come to pass. Number two, don't let distractions come and take it away. Don't let anything steal this vision that God's put in your heart. Remain loyal. Remain committed to the vision. Remain loyal and committed to the vision. And drive off anything that would try to distract it. Sometimes you're just going to have to say, doubt, go. Doubt, go. Many of you heard the testimony a few weeks ago, but our daughter called us up and gave us a bad uh, medical report about what was going on in her body. And it's a kind of a long story, and it's a progressive thing. And, and uh, I think at one time they said that she had, what, 15 years possibly to live or something like that? 10 years to live. And we said, well, we're not receiving that. We're not taking that. And so, you know, just it's been about a, a month ago today. She called up and said, well, I went to the doctor, and they ran some And they said, we don't know what's going on, but you need to come back again. They ran tests again. They said, well, the doctor said, this is a miracle. There's nothing wrong with you. Amen. Staying full. And so we, we had sent her some scriptures, and she had snapshot, photocopied those scriptures. And she said, when doubt would come, she said, even if I was driving, I'd pull those scriptures up on my phone that I took pictures of, and I'd just read them out. Say, doubt, you're not welcome here. Amen. Doubt, you go. This is what the Word of God says. Amen? Amen? This is the type of commitment we need to make to see what God has for our lives. No more doubt. That vulture of doubt, you're not taking my covenant promises away. Mm-mm. You're not going to stop God's plan for my life. Amen? Amen? So stay holy and fully committed to things that God has given you. Glory to God. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.